1: Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today we're in chapter two of the book, Developing a Life Practice, the path that leads to Nibbana. We've restarted our group learning program last week, and we're just kind of getting started with some of the material. Of course, when we get into chapter four, which is the Four Noble Truths, that's when things will really start getting super, super interesting as we start diving into more and more of Gautama Buddha's teachings. But now at the beginning of the program, We kind of pause here for a bit, and we talk about why study Gautama Buddhist teachings. Because embarking on this journey to awaken the mind to the enlightened mental state, it's not something that you just kind of do on a whim, uh, where most people. You don't just kind of decide, oh, I'm going to try this for a week or two. You know, it's something that, you know, people typically will put some thought into, because it really is a life journey to awaken the mind. And even if you awaken the mind in one year, two years, three years, five years, you're still going to be practicing these teachings for the rest of your life in order to continue to practice and move forward with this enlightened, awakened mind. So here at the beginning of the book, with chapter one, we kind of say, okay, well, if you've been Christian or if you've practiced Muslim teachings or Hinduism or no teachings whatsoever, and you haven't had any traditions, or you've been part of the Buddhist tradition in the past, there's a bridge here for you to make your way into Gautama Buddhist teachings because these good, wholesome teachings actually reflect a lot of the teachings that we've grown up with in different parts of the world. So that's chapter one. And now in chapter two, we kind of pause for a bit And we just kind of share why even study Gautama Buddha's teachings? What's the point? And in the book I share a little bit of my perspective on this as a way of kind of bringing the reader along and into the ultimate material which is ultimately going to awaken the mind as you learn and practice the teachings. So rather than me share with you at this particular point why I would suggest to study Gautama Buddha's teachings, what I thought we would do today is kind of flip this around a bit and give you guys a chance to share why have you chosen to study Gautama Buddha's teachings. Because right now we're broadcasting out to Facebook, YouTube, we have our virtual classroom and Zoom going, we're actually recording this for our podcast, and there's multiple ways that people are plugged in and actually tuned in to our talk today and rather than me kind of sharing with you why i think you should study guatama Buddha's teachings i'm really interested in hearing why have you chosen because the book like i said is set up as a structured as a way to kind of bring the reader along and move them into the content but if you're listening to this right now you've already chosen to learn and perhaps practice Gautama Buddha's teachings on this path. And I'm really interested to have each of you guys share, whether you're in Facebook or YouTube or in the virtual classroom. Then, after all of you are done sharing, I will share with you at the end my thoughts on why we should study Gautama Buddha's teachings. Why have you chosen to study Gautama Buddha's teachings? So who would like to get started first? I know Max is always the one who tends to be the person that shares first, but are there any other brave individuals out there that are trying to work on getting rid of shyness and eliminating that from the mind and willing to step forward? And there we go, look at that. Right away, Bill's put his hand up. So let's see what Bill has to say. And Max, you can always share when you're ready.
2: Hi everybody, Uh, my name's Bill and uh, I live in, I currently live in Chiang Mai, I grew up on the west coast in Portland, Uh, that's where my family is. I grew up in a conservative Christian household uh, and was taught that there was a God, but it was very confusing because sometimes they talk about the love. And, but sometimes they would talk about the, the punishing if you didn't adhere to certain... You know, there was a lot of focus on sin. And um, looking back, uh, there was a lot of hypocrisy. There were things that the church was trying to hide. Uh, it turned out one of my Sunday school teachers had molested some of my friends. There was just a, a lot of wrongdoing. And when I got older, I got in deep into uh, drinking as a way to escape thinking uh, about God and the, the God that I was brought up being punishing and not accepting of certain lifestyles. And the, the, as I as I grew older, I realized I was different. That um, I was not attracted to women. So I, I you know, I I wanted to escape. But before I drank, I escaped by going to the movies. And then I got sober and they talked about a higher power. And uh, at one point when I, when I reached uh, the step where it talks about finding a God of your own understanding, sponsor that I was working with, he was a writer and he had a library in his apartment. I, I say library because you know most writers have a lot of books and it, it just really, when I, when I was like, wow, Jason, I really have quite a substantial collection. And a lot of them were on spirituality and different, different types of faiths. And I gravitated towards the books on Buddhism. And that was in the early 90s. And that's when a lot of people were exploring different types of faith. There was the Celestine prophecy and a lot of different types of spirituality. And then I moved, eventually I moved to the, the Bay Area for a teaching job. And uh, I still had this interest. And I found a a group that practiced in the Tibetan tradition. And I actually took a course in Tibetan Buddhism. And I I learned quite a bit. And and then it got more
1: into the advanced stages of practicing and the
2: prostrations and the rituals. You know, a lot of the stuff we've learned that the Buddha didn't teach. I've had a couple of situations where I've thrown out my back and I was just like, physically, I I wasn't. I couldn't do the prostrations, um, I was worried about messing up my back, and it just, it didn't feel right. There was also something about bowls, and I don't even remember, <laughs> it just, <laughs> it seemed very ritualistic, and I didn't, and I didn't like that. I liked the meditation, and I liked the, the teaching, you know, the general teachings about um, the Eightfold Path, Anyway, so I guess to summarize, you know, I've 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 had opportunities to to travel to Thailand, and and I remember the first time I came here. Did I mention I live in Chiang Mai, or did I skip over that part? I think you did. You did. So, and I just remember that first experience coming. I felt at home, you know. I thought, oh my gosh, this is such a peaceful country, and it just felt so different from my home country of the U S sometimes my memory is, isn't the best. And I honestly, I don't, I don't know if it was a Facebook, probably it was Facebook that I found the, the group that, uh, at the time, I think it was in March where you were meeting at and the meditation corner with master B. And then I learned about this book that David had written and I thought, Oh my gosh, Wow, this is somebody who's speaking my language, you know, and and really articulating the teachings in a way that really made sense. i have read quite a, quite a bit different books by the Dalai Lama, by other famous writers. But um, what I really, and, and I'll end on this on this note is, um, it's a part of my daily practice, and I understand when I'm going through some. situation i'm like aha this is an opportunity for me to work on my patience uh, to work on right speech and it's just i'm really very very pleased and here i am for round two
1: (laughs) very good
2: (laughs) yeah i I was uh, i know david david always says, you know, no expectation and think there's an impermanence, and I had a conflict last week. I'm also in the Rotary Club. So it's an opportunity for me to get involved in uh, good works here and that helps support the community. So I think that's a that's a way for me to also uh, practice.
1: Uh, definitely inspires me to to be appreciative
2: and to be grateful for what I have because of the different I'm not going to go on about all of our programs but, uh, because I've talked. I've, I've talked enough. But um, anyway, it's just good to be. I'm really glad to be here and uh, glad that I met David. And uh, so, uh, if you're new, um, stick around. It's it's quite a journey. So, thank you.
1: Thank you, Bill. Very interesting story there, and I think a lot of us can relate to some of the things you were sharing about how we grew up, maybe in a certain tradition. And we were taught certain things about God or other things that turned out to really not be true. And, you know, what we might have been brought up with being taught about certain gods or certain things may not actually be the truth. And, you know, those things that led you away from those traditions you really didn't have a way to necessarily determine if it was truth or not. And one of the things that I think is beautiful in Gautama Buddha's teachings is you can determine for yourself what is the truth. And just because we were in a big building and there was lots of ceremonies and there was hundreds or thousands of people around us telling us these certain things about the various traditions that we grew up with, maybe those particular people believed what they were sharing and what they were teaching. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's the truth. And I think one of the things that Gautama Buddha's teachings get to is what is the truth? This whole God question is not something that he really tackled and he didn't need to tackle it. But I think most of us would agree that what we heard growing up about this God or this supreme being much of that has maybe turned out to not be 100% true. If someone still has a understanding or belief in God, I don't know that there's a God that would want us to be fearful, that would want us to hate others, that would want us to judge others, that would want us to denigrate others, that would want us to punish others. I think a lot of these things that we heard growing up aren't necessarily the truth. And uh, I think that what you were talking about is kind of evolving away from that and realizing, hey, this doesn't quite sound right. You know, we should be loving and kind and compassionate and polite and respectful to all people. It's not about who's in the club and who's out of the club. And let's hate people that we disagree with. And let's only like people that we agree with. That's not how any of this works. So it's good that you've now made your way towards something where you can discover the truth for yourself and you don't have to believe anything you can discover the truth for yourself so this is beautiful all right who would like to share next so
3: thanks for that bill i can see that james's hand is up so i suggest we go to you james
4: okay well my name is james i'm from south carolina in america and um first of all it was great to hear from Bill. Um, I can definitely relate to um, elements of uh, what he was saying and elements of what David was just saying because I came up in a similar tradition and um, I was taught to be blindly faithful and I was taught to essentially be um, judgmental toward others at times and, um, you know, by the broader society. I mean, I'm 32, so I've had three decades in society now and i am taught to um, to be self-interested and to, um, been taught to... Uh, approach this adversarial um, relationship with the world and um, as i encountered buddhism i found out that it wasn't about blind faith it was about it was about truth and it was about bringing the truth for yourself and um that was one of the things that really attracted me to it and it's one of the reasons that i that i practice because i've always had a lot of unanswered questions that society and that other traditions haven't been willing or able to answer and in studying buddhism you learn why the world is the way it is. You learn why the mind is the way it is. You learn to navigate yourself and you learn to navigate the world around you and you receive a lot of answers and it's about developing wisdom. And I think that another reason I practice is that an investment in one's mind is an investment in every element of who you are as a person, whether it's your relationships with close others, whether it's your career, whether it's every impact that you have in the world and every way that the world impacts you, it's, it's through your mind. And if you can invest in your mind, then um, you're investing in every part of who you are and you're investing in your contentedness. And um, that's just a primary reason for why I'm practicing. And um, it's great to hear other people's stories and it's really encouraging and inspiring to hear other people's stories. And um, yeah, I hope, um, I'm i really excited to see this group grow. And, uh, see other people like bill and max and um men and um be able to benefit from david's teachings and the biggest teachings the way that i have
1: very good thanks james yeah. some of the things i heard there that i think some people can definitely relate to is investment in your own contentedness and investment in your own life and your own mind and then navigating the world that's something that i haven't thought about but exactly that's correct right that These teachings really help us to navigate this world that we're in, and without having exposure to these teachings, we really don't know why all this sadness, and why all this frustration, and, you know, why COVID-19, why did that even happen? But the Buddhist teachings, as you explained in a previous session, and now in this session too, the Buddhist teachings really explain all that, and you can see the truth for yourself and navigate this world in a better way, so... Very well said. Appreciate you sharing. I
4: I think that COVID is really a great example of um, what I'm speaking to because it was around the time of COVID that I really began um, really um, joining in on this program. And I can only imagine that if it weren't for this program and if it weren't for the Buddhist teachings, I would probably have a lot of attachments to things that I can't experience due to COVID. And I would have a lot of animosity toward other people's behaviors throughout COVID. And... um, the teachings have really helped me understand um, a lot of what's going on in the world right now. And, and I think that if we can understand what's going on in the world, then we can um, better navigate it and we can be better at peace with ourselves. Um, so, um, you yeah, know, that's a great, um, great example of what I was talking about.
1: <laughs> yeah, very well said. Thanks for sharing that. That's very helpful. All right, Max, what do you got next? Yeah, thanks a lot, James Well. I have to give credit actually to
3: Amina and Amina's daughter, who was actually the first person to put their hand up, Amina's daughter, who is eight years old, says that my mummy was studying Buddhism. So I was curious to do it too. Very nice. Thank you very much, Amina, and most of all to Amina's daughter. Now we also have Randall. So Randall, perhaps you'd like to unmute yourself and take it away.
5: My name is Randall. I'm also from the United States and I live in Chiang Mai and I've been living in Asia for about 13 or 14 years. And of course, in that time, I've met many people who have uh, been studying Buddhist teachings and I've, I've always been quite interested. but I just never really knew how to get involved. And Fortunately, I saw David's, one of his posts on Facebook. Yeah, I started to join this group about six months ago now. And it's been really helpful for me. Uh, I feel like I've experienced many benefits. The meditation has been really helpful. I've, I, For years, I tried meditating by myself without any of the teachings or anything. And I always just felt like, I was wasting my time or I didn't really know how to do it or what I was doing. So the meditations that we do on Wednesdays have been really useful for me. And yeah, I'm I'm happy to be here and uh, glad that we're still going.
1: Yeah, wonderful. So you must have seen one of the posts in one of the Chiang Mai expat groups or something like that.
5: Yeah, I think I saw something when you were at what i think it's what time you i think you were doing something there and i kept wanting to come but you know always finding excuses and and then with the covid situation that happened in um i think it was march here uh it was a good opportunity for me to join this group because i really had nothing else to do at the time Mm -hmm. so it uh it worked out quite well
1: yeah one of the things that you were sharing there is you were talking about how you were meditating on your own and weren't really seeing much benefit and all that kind of stuff and now that you've gotten this guidance and not only the guidance but you've got the teachings to go with it because there's a lot of people in the world that do meditation but oftentimes because a lot of us are coming from this tradition of we just pray and we think we go outside and everything's going to be wonderful oftentimes we just meditate and think we go outside and everything should be wonderful but It's the teachings of the Eightfold Path, the entire path, right view all the way to right concentration that really shapes our life and our life practice. And it's the meditation with the life practice of daily teachings of what do we do in daily life, the right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration, which we're going to get into in about another three weeks. But those teachings is what really makes your practice a full practice and actually get the most benefit out of meditation. Because if all we ever did was meditate and that was it, we're not going to really see as much benefit. You know, we're not never going to get to enlightenment if people just meditate and only meditate. But it's meditation with the teachings that really create a life practice that you can really see results with. And it sounds like that's what you're experiencing some. But what was it initially, Randall? Was there something that you noticed with your life or with your mind or your job or your career that was really the real reason why you said, I, I need to go study now?
5: Yeah, th- there were there were a series of things. Um, I've had stressful things happening in my life over the last few years. And I have noticed that I, i'm a bit more short-tempered than i used to be uh some things annoy me these days or annoy me more than they used to just interactions with people sometimes i would find myself afterwards regretting the way that i had acted or maybe kind of going over things in my head i should have said this or stuff like that as i've gotten older i've just noticed a bit more of that Um, and i think it just comes from you know, life gets more stressful as you get older. When I was young, I didn't have as much to worry about in my life. And now, you know, I'm working a lot and living overseas. Sometimes it's not easy. And so, yeah, I just noticed myself, I've been more mindful of those sort of things lately, uh, even before starting with this class. And... Yeah, I just was looking to try and make some changes to some of the things that I wasn't really happy about, and so far it's been working really well.
1: Prior to learning the teachings about the Buddha, did you realize that the Buddhist teachings were about training the mind and eliminating <laughs> yeah. these these kind of feelings that we experience?
5: Yeah, I uh, like I said, I, I've lived in Chiang Mai for about. Six seven years and I lived in Japan for a while as well so I've been around people that have told me uh, you know bits and pieces about what Buddhist teachings were all about so I knew right when I started realizing that I was unhappy with some of the things that were going on inside of me I knew right away that this was something that I could possibly get involved in and it just took me a while to to finally make the step to do it.
1: Okay very good. Well, now you've found a place to learn. You've found a place that has lots of resources to help you. And it's right here in Chiang Mai. So not only do you have access online, but you've got access in real life as well, right in Chiang Mai. So worked out perfect for you. It was the right time. Yep. All right. All right, Max, what else do you got?
3: Okay, I'm going to go to comments from Sue Julian on Facebook. So Sue writes, she lives in Canada. She says, I've decided to study these teachings as I was tired of feeling so unhappy and distraught about my family situation. I'm also drawn to the aspect of kindness and compassion in Buddhism, as well as the lack of harsh judgments by God.
1: Very nice. Very nice. That's definitely front and center part of Gautama Buddha's teachings is the love and kindness and respect and politeness and non-judgment and yeah so that's wonderful Sue and definitely will help you with your family life and improving that and based on some of our talks and what you've been sharing in the public group that it sounds like it's already helping you quite a bit in such a short time so wonderful
3: okay next up is Mercia so Mercia says I live in Durban South Africa my intro to Buddhism was through a psychologist who uses the teachings in his practice. I started with meditation, mindfulness, and training the mind. I then just started reading and listening to monks in the Theravada tradition, and the teachings just resonated with me. I found David on Facebook, and I am so very grateful.
1: Well, thank you, Marcia. I'm glad you're here as well. You've been pretty regular showing up to these group learning program for the last several months. So I uh, appreciate your involvement and all your questions and working on implementing these teachings in your life. So that's good to know that you're getting benefit and you're on the path.
3: Okay, next up is Kathy on Facebook. She writes, Hello all, my name is Kathy and I'm from New York. Thank you for providing this opportunity to share. I struggle with anger and I have difficulty communicating. I see intense emotion all around me, and I don't know how to work through any of it appropriately. I have a loving family, but with plenty of their own demons, and I want to let go of those things so they don't continue on with my children. I know I need to be peaceful in order to help bring peace to those around me, and I know I have a lot of internal work to do. Thank you, everyone.
1: Okay, wonderful. Sounds like you found the right place in terms of, you know, what, you can do to improve your life and work on that internal stuff and finding inner fulfillment through training your own mind so wonderful
3: okay let's go to Amina she says this is from me daughters go first (laughs) hello Hello, all I met David one year ago in Thailand and that is where my journey on the path of Buddhism began in earnest I had always been interested but other than occasional meditation had nothing concrete done to expand on this interest. After a couple of sessions with David and joining this Facebook group, it was possible to give more intention to this practice. I started meditating daily. I began to become more aware of my ego and how it was causing problems in my life. I was able to truly see impermanence around me, which strangely gave me serenity. My anger has subsided to irritation, and it is clear that even that is my responsibility due to attachments and expectations that I still hold on to and are mindfully working to extinguish. This path is a process. Sometimes there is clarity, others confusion. But thanks to this group, there is a place and a teacher ready and always available to help, assist, and give support. I am grateful to be part of this community. My life and the life of my family has improved drastically thanks to David. His teachings, his posts, quizzes,
1: classes, call sessions, unconditional generosity so thank you amina i appreciate you guys starting to share information about me as a teacher but this is all about you guys so i feel the appreciation and gratitude but really interested in why you guys have chosen to study so i know amina that she shared with me before that she kind of stumbled into the buddhist teachings because she was actually coming to my wife's yoga studio for a yoga class. My wife was actually in America at the time and I was just sitting in the yoga studio and Amina walked in and we just started chatting and it turned into you know a couple of sessions where I shared with Amina the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, some meditation. That's when I first started teaching at Wat Tung Yu. So Amina and I went over to Wat Tung Yu and spent some time over there and uh, perhaps Amina just kind of stumbled into it and then once she realized the good teachings of the Buddha maybe she realized wow I can get rid of this sadness and anger and frustration and any other emotions and feelings that are unwelcomed in the mind so um, yeah thank you for sharing Amina okay let's go to Javier next so Javier says
3: in my case I like the idea of achieving serenity wisdom and being aware of the very reality around us. I want to see what's there when the thoughts clouding the mind are cleared out. I'm from Argentina, and I found this program browsing meditation podcasts.
1: Wow, this is wonderful. Argentina, South Africa, Amina and her daughter are in Italy. We've got a few Chiang Mai people here already. We've got some people from America. So, um, wow, we've got a real international audience here of people learning the Buddhist teachings and making the choice to do so. So that's wonderful.
4: Well, I'll take the liberty of
3: going next. So my name is Max. I am based in England on the South Coast. And I first started practicing just purely meditation without really much knowledge of Goswami Buddha's teachings specifically. And I initially started practicing meditation, at least on a daily basis, as a way to help me in daily life and i was working a career at the time and starting a business as i grew and built this business and i started to attain more of the things i wanted i realized that i was also getting a lot of byproducts that i didn't want and not only that the things i wanted weren't actually satisfying me in any permanent way it was only really during meditation and other peaceful moments, such as when I was away from everything else, but especially during meditation, that I would genuinely feel content. I didn't feel that way really at any other time. And so eventually, having found that nothing I was building outside of that was really producing this contentedness, I thought I would seek out guidance from people who had trained their minds and who did understand the mind. And I studied with apps, I studied with various videos and uh, ultimately I encountered David. And I would be practicing the teachings piece by piece as I kind of gradual unravelling to test the teachings and obviously having met David, I started practicing the teachings of the Buddha, Gautama Buddha, first of all meditating in a style taught by Buddha. I found that was very effective, it was more simple than what I'd been practicing before and seemed to produce greater and more consistent benefits and then I would start practicing something else such as speaking purposefully, not speaking at the wrong time, uh, things like identifying my attachments and so far I haven't been able to disprove the Buddha <laughs> uh, piece by piece just just practicing the teachings. and. I feel like in other aspects of life what we tend to do is we tend to find mentors if we're interested in learning how to run a marathon we might seek a running coach if we're interested in learning how to build a business we might seek out a business coach or well, these days we might consume a lot of content through podcasts or videos and reading to try and understand maybe learn on our own and then maybe at some point begin networking or learning from Individuals directly. And I know that in previous pursuits that I've I been involved in, that was invariably the thing that seems to, to help me progress. But having realized that, like to echo what James said, that everything we experience happens in the mind. So if we're trying to influence the mind with anything external, it's never going to work permanently. So we might as well work on the mind. And if we're doing that, we might as well seek mentors who understand the mind and who have done it and so through various means that has led me pretty much here and uh, i think it's probably the best thing i've ever chosen to do but I i don't think there's any doubt about that i think you know the more i practice the more i realize it works and as one learns and practices the teachings, you realize that, okay, that's true. Okay, understand the meditation works, that bit's true. Now, what if I try this other bit? What if I start practicing generosity? Is that Does that work to improve the state of the mind? And so piece by piece, you can prove these things. And eventually you start to think, well, Gautama Buddha was certainly right about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, continue trying to disprove the Buddha. And let me know if you manage to (laughs) Uh, that's why i'm here and that's why i'm learning it's producing a lot of benefits in my mind and not merely just eliminating painful feelings but also really not getting carried away by pleasant feelings and having more control over the mind so that i don't get carried away by the craving for the pleasant feelings and therefore also don't experience the inevitable fallout that can come from that and the unwholesome decisions that may arise from that so hope that was useful
1: yeah for sure max it definitely is and you know talking about the fully perfectly enlightened buddha someone who attained enlightenment on his own and truly awakened the mind to these natural laws of existence he's definitely the buddha we call him a buddha because his teachings work and in 2500 years 2500 years Are there any other teachers or people that we know of that existed that long ago, but we're still talking about them today and their teachings are still just as applicable today as they were 2,500 years ago? I haven't been able to think of anybody that there's one singular person that stands above everyone else, but yet he's so humble that he's not standing above people, but He rises above all this massive billions and billions and billions. Just think of the billions of people that have been born over the last 2,500 years or even the last 3,000 or 5,000 years. But there's just one person as far back as 2,500 years ago that we're still talking about. And his teachings are still here. And there's temples everywhere and there's monks everywhere. These people have continued his teachings for all of these years and what we know is is that if his teachings are still around for this period of time they must be working because things that don't work usually fall by the wayside pretty quick right we usually have certain fads or certain products that come onto the market they sell a lot of products for five or ten years and then boom they're gone we never hear from them again because those products pretty much wear out or they don't work or it's it's not very good quality. But here, something was created, a grassroots movement, right? Here's a guy who awakened his mind over 2,500 years ago. He was the only one person on the face of the earth that understood these teachings. So he essentially started a grassroots movement with him and five other people when he gave his very first talk. So there's six people that started this grassroots movement 2,500 years ago, and there's just been one link after another, after another, after another for 2,500 years, and here we are still talking about not only him, but his teachings, and they're still helping people even today to improve our life. That, to me, is just miraculous, and just one other reason why we know he was surely the fully, perfectly enlightened Buddha.
3: Yes, I think that's something that is quite easy to overlook if we're not aware of the context of Gautama Buddha, when he lived, and the kind of space he lived. Because the only other people we really still talk about from that time, I suppose, are some of the Greek philosophers, but there were lots of them, and they had writing materials. Gosman Buddha didn't have lots of people that he was collaborating with, And neither did he have anything to write on. It was one guy and all of this was communicated by the spoken word. And so when you consider that, you think how he was able to have such an influence. So in some sense, there really is no one else that we can say that about, that that lived that long ago and had that much impact on their own.
1: Yeah. And also some things we can say too is over this 2,500 year period, all these links in a chain, there's this link from us back through, not that we'll ever discover all those people that link back to the Buddha, but all of these teachings that are being shared in this group learning program, even though we can't ever discover the links between us and Gautama Buddha, these teachings that are coming forward into this group learning program are essentially through this long chain of people that have maintained the teachings in a certain way and handed them down from person to person to person to person until now they're finally reaching you and they're having this impact on your life, right? That that this, if we want to call it a gift or these teachings that Gautama Buddha shared during his lifetime through this long link, this long chain of 2500 year history now the teachings are finally reaching to you in this life and they're still helping you and lots of other people in the world and that's just amazing that one person could have started all of this 2500 years ago and his teachings are just as applicable today and this is how you know that this person existed because a lot of times when traditions are based on belief you don't actually really ever know if the person actually existed or not. But here in this situation, when you learn these teachings and they improve the quality of your mind and the quality of your life, there's no question that this person existed because his teachings from so long ago are actually improving your life today. So that's how you can discover the truth that in fact this person that we call Gautama Buddha indeed existed and his teachings are as applicable today as they were 2500 years ago so yeah thanks for bringing all that up max
3: thank you very much okay i suggest we go to deborah next so hi my name is deborah and i live in brentwood uk i first started reading about buddhism while recovering from a serious car accident i was angry about what had happened and also had anger towards the other driver Through the classes, I have learned impermanence and loving kindness towards all beings. It has made a big difference to my life. The anger has gone, and I no longer bother with material things. I have become calmer. It is the best thing I've
1: done. Very nice. Very nice. So I'm glad to hear, Deborah, that you've found a place that you can learn and practice the teachings. And one of the things I'd like to add on to some of what I was just saying about this long link of chains And all these teachings coming from the Buddha and through this chain to now where it's reaching us, through you learning and practicing these teachings, it's now we are a link in that chain that is going to now bring these teachings into our community and continue to share these teachings worldwide. So through us applying diligent study through dedication and commitment and actually applying the teachings in our life and seeing that they work the more that you see these teachings work, then you know what the path is. So this, why did we study, or why study Gautama Buddha's teachings, yes, it's a personal pursuit, but I also think about this larger approach of by us individually choosing to learn these teachings, not only does it help us, it helps those people close to us, and it helps all of humanity as well. Because now we can share these teachings forward into future generations.
3: Okay, I can see Joy's hand is up, so I suggest we go to you next, Joy.
6: I am in the United States, in Missouri, and I am just a big, I don't know, broken person. I have been through uh, trauma after trauma as a child, as an adult, and uh, it's just really hard for me to talk about yet without getting upset. So. I'm here uh, just looking for peace, I guess.
1: Some peace of mind, yeah? Yes. Okay. Well, take your time. There's no rush for you to talk about it today. And as you feel comfortable and you would like someone to talk to, you've got lots of different ways to connect with people now in this group. And you can talk or choose not to talk at any time that you like. But it's good that you found a place to learn the Buddhist teachings because if you're looking for peace of mind, it's definitely learning and practicing his teachings that'll help you with that
6: yes i've been I've been searching spiritually uh through several religious groups, I guess for a few years and uh Buddhism was something I just started looking into a few months ago and I think David, I was in a different group, and you commented to me about your classes, which is what led me here so i def- That's here
1: i definitely do that from time to time i get into different groups and and uh invite people to come to our group because uh, a lot of these problems that people are having in these other groups it's like the buddhist got all the answers right like people talk about anxiety and stress and sadness and having trouble sleeping and being angry and all different kinds of problems that i see in all these other groups and Everywhere I look and on my news feed on Facebook, it's like, ah, the Buddha's got the answers for that. Oh, the Buddha's got the answers for that. Oh, the Buddha's got the answers for that. So yeah, that, it's very likely that I came into a, a group that you were probably in and shared some comments to invite people to come learn.
6: Well, thank you. This has been helpful so far, even though it's only been a few weeks for me. So,
1: Very good. And are you, are you learning with the book, uh, Developing a Life Practice?
6: yes i am um i haven't read enough of it yet of course
1: but
6: i have a lot of practice to to work on so
1: okay yeah we're just getting started we're in chapter two this first couple of chapters just kind of ramp up slowly and then by the time we get into the third and fourth and fifth chapter we really start laying out and uncovering and pulling back the the curtain on Gautama Buddha's teachings so you can really start seeing how he taught and what really can affect your mind and your life. So we're just kind of slowly, gradually ramping up to his more real deep teachings. Thank you. I'm glad you're here, Joy. Welcome. What else do you got, Max?
3: Yeah, thank you very much, Joy. Glad to have you as part of the group here. So I'll read out a comment from Linda next. Linda says... I am new to Buddha's teachings and am drawn to the peace, non judgment and transformation of my heart. I have tried meditation and still felt empty. So I'm here for learning, understanding and
1: fulfillment. Wonderful, Linda, because one of the things that we all really need in order to progress on this path to enlightenment is we need teachers because it's wonderful that there's so many apps and so many guided meditations and YouTube videos and all these different resources out there because that kind of cracks the door open for some people to kind of approach on their own terms to start learning a bit of meditation. But it's not until you really get paired up and you choose to reach out and connect with a teacher that you really start making a lot of progress because now you're talking to a live human being instead of an app or a YouTube video or something like this. You're talking with a live human being that can really understand what it is that you're facing in life and help you understand exactly what did the Buddha teach and how to apply these teachings in your life, which is very, very important. So it's great that you have already gotten started a bit with meditation. And now that you're kind of paired up in this group learning program and you've got a teacher to help you and lots of resources and support, you'll really start to be able to make some progress on this path and see the benefits in these teachings. Because what you'll end up noticing is a lot of what you see in the world actually isn't Gautama Buddha's teachings at all. In terms of how people are meditating with apps and guided meditations and what you see in MEMS, or what do they call them, memems? Or I don't know how, I don't know, the M-E-M-E-E. I don't know how to pronounce that. But all these different quotes across social media that are attributed to the Buddha, from my experience, 99.9% of these are actually falsely attributed to the Buddha. They're not actually his teachings. So it's great that there's so much information now that's being shared in the world because it kind of cracks the door a little bit. But it's not until you get a real live teacher, someone who's part of the Sangha or the community of practitioners that really truly understands the teachings that you can now start pulling back that curtain and really start to learn how to apply these teachings in your life. So it's great that all of you guys that are in this program, you'll now be able to use the resources and have a teacher to be able to help you. To learn these teachings and apply them in your life.
3: Okay, we'll go to Robert's on YouTube. Robert lives in North Carolina on the east coast of the U.S., and he says approximately two years ago, I became familiar with Gotama's teachings. I had reached out to David honestly about Thai bodywork initially, and our conversation came to encompass his current work, his current work of sharing Goenka Buddha's teachings. In short. The teachings help me to realize that spiraling events in my life were of my own making, and the positive events were also of my own making. The studies are the foundation of understanding the why and how. Apply knowledge to gain wisdom in my daily living.
1: Yeah, this is great, Robert. What you're kind of cluing into there is the natural law of gamma, realizing that it's our own decisions that create certain effects or certain results. If we make good, wholesome decisions, good, wholesome things happen. If we make unwholesome decisions, unwholesome things happen. And what the Buddhist teachings are going to do more and more is awaken the mind to the wisdom of how to make better and better and better choices through this wisdom. And it's great that you found us through the Thai massage background, because there's a lot of practitioners in that community that really have a lot of respect for Gautama Buddhist teachings. So I'm glad that you've gotten connected and you're starting to see this natural law of gamma a bit and realizing that it's your own decisions that are leading you to better and better things and just making the decision to actually learn and practice these teachings is one of those decisions that leads people towards good wholesome results because it's not until these teachings come into our life and we start making the good wholesome decisions to learn them regularly, kind of drip feed them into the mind and kind of soak them in, make regular decisions each day to meditate, apply these teachings in our life and stop thinking we're so wonderful and so great and we're so perfect and just realize that we're imperfect beings but these teachings, through learning and practicing them, we can become a better and better being through learning and practicing these teachings to awaken the mind. So just the choice of, of all of you to learn and practice these teachings and bring them into your life is improving your life just through doing that. So congratulations to all of you guys for choosing each Sunday and each Wednesday at nine o'clock Thai time to join these classes. And then in between picking up the book and the podcast and the videos and choosing to meditate Choosing to apply these teachings in your life with your partners, your children, your co-workers, your parents, your family, all the different people that you're now practicing the teachings with. Maybe they don't realize that you're practicing the teachings, but you're starting to clean up your conduct. If you've been part of this program for you know any length of time and you've started to learn some of the deeper teachings, you're starting to clean up some of the things you're doing. Based on these good, wholesome teachings of the Buddha. So you're making wiser and wiser and wiser choices. And this is where you're going to see life continue to improve. So we've got another week or two before we get into some of those teachings for those of you guys that have joined us recently. But as we get into those teachings and you start learning the wisdom of the Buddha and awakening the mind, you're going to be able to apply these in your life. And those decisions are going to continue to improve the condition of the mind and the condition of your life. So wonderful, Robert. Glad to hear you're starting to see gamma a little bit. Let's go to Raja. He says, I am Raja from India.
3: I'm here to learn Buddhist teachings and practice meditation to one, anapana, breathing meditation, breathing mindfulness meditation. Two, Metta, loving practice, a loving kindness meditation. And three, Vipassana, looking for deep insights
1: okay great so you're going to be able to learn those on wednesdays that's when we teach the meditation on wednesday at nine so this past wednesday we did breathing mindfulness meditation or anapassanatit which is what you're referring to and then loving kindness meditation which we'll do this wednesday i've never actually studied vipassana meditation i have heard from people who go to those retreats, and from what I understand, the first few days, they do essentially breathing mindfulness meditation, and then after that, they get into some body scanning and some other things, which I've never been exposed to and never needed, but if you are interested in that information, I wouldn't be able to share that with you, but definitely breathing mindfulness meditation, loving kindness meditation, but more importantly, like we were talking about with Randall, is having the teachings of the entire Eightfold Path is so important. You wouldn't be able to meditate your way to enlightenment. You need more than just meditation. But you also wouldn't be able to attain enlightenment without meditation either. So you need meditation, but you also need so much more, which is what these Sunday talks are really about, is giving you more of the teachings so that you can actually apply them in daily life. And then we do some of that on Wednesday as well. So you'll see as we get going here, that we'll incorporate some of the teachings aside from meditation into our Wednesday talks.
3: Let's go to Manal. She says, hi, I am Manal from New Jersey, USA, raised here practically my whole life. If I can get past the shyness part, that'd be one big win. I've basically always internalized many life events and past childhood trauma. And for many years, I could not figure out why I could not find my own voice or what is going on inside of me. The disbelief in myself often stunting. Overall, the teachings of Gautama Buddha sing to me like a song that always stays on the mind. Even if I switch to the radio station, the song is still singing to me. The simplicity and understanding of the teaching resonates with me, although I am unable to articulate fully, I've recognized through my day-to-day that everything is impermanence. I live a full householder's life here and plenty of years of reflections have proved to me now that if everything is impermanence, then what remains after this? What do I need to work on? I know I continue to seek this out for myself and have identified this is the only thing which brings an indescribable peace and smile, one which lasts, finding this group And teacher David is equivalent to magically finding the name of that song stuck in my mind. Now it's time to learn the lyrics finally.
1: (laughs) Very nice. Very nice, Manal. Thank you for sharing that story. That's very, very nice. So yeah, you've been part of this group for many months now and learning a lot. So it's good that you're seeing impermanence. Sounds like you're looking to improve the peacefulness in your mind. So... That's good that you've joined to continue to learn and apply the teachings. Okay, let's
3: go to Biplob. He says, Hi, I am Biplob from Bangladesh. First, I see the biography of the Buddha TV series that influenced me. Then I saw a few questions at a Buddhist group and then I saw David. That is great. I found my answer.
1: Okay, so what is it Biplob that you're looking for? What is it with the Buddhist teachings? Aside from just stumbling into it, why have you chosen to study Gautama Buddha's teachings? What is it about Gautama Buddha that you chose to study his teachings instead of some other teachings out there? You can work on that, bit blob, and maybe Max will come back to it.
3: Yeah, keep, give him some time to type an answer to that. I was wondering if there's anyone else on Zoom who might like to, to say something. Otherwise, I think we're, oh, okay, Biplobs come back quickly. He says, "Identify my ultimate goal in this group. So
1: Okay. All right. Well, it looks like everyone who was interested in sharing had an opportunity to do so, yeah? If there's any others, you guys are welcome to raise your hand in Zoom, or you can send in your comments through Zoom or Facebook or YouTube. What I would like to share with you is something kind of beyond the book, and then kind of go back to the book in some things that I shared in there, is... Max and I were kind of talking about this before class, is I think that it would be somewhat difficult to find somebody in the world today that if you talked with them and you said, so how's everything going in the world? How are things going, you know, for this world? You know, are we headed on the right track? You know, how, how are things going? I think it would be difficult to find somebody that says, you know what? Everything in the world is going so wonderful. If we just keep on this same path that we're on, everything's going to work out just fine, right? I don't know of anybody that would really say that about the world right now. And I don't know that at any time in human history, if anybody would have necessarily said that, because again, something that I didn't share in the book, for me one of the reasons to study Gautama Buddhist teachings is this world is headed for all kinds of problems. We've been in all kinds of problems for many 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 years but there's all kinds of more problems in our future if we don't do something for our own individual self in order to improve how we treat each other and how we treat the world. Essentially we've been kind of walking in the darkness for so many years and it's guatama buddha's teachings that kind of turn on the light and say knock 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 hey humanity yeah things are really bad right now you know we've got all kinds of hostility and anger and sadness and frustration and boredom and loneliness and all kinds of problems in the world we've got murders and rapes and terrorism and suicide and orphans and you know all kinds of problems drug abuse drug addiction all kinds of problems in the world and it's almost like humanity's digging this hole deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper well some of us have been taught that we're kind of waiting for someone to come and kind of click their fingers and all of this is going to be fixed well in my view that's not going to happen If that was going to happen, it would have happened already before now. The way that this world gets better is through individuals like you and I choosing that we would like to learn and practice teachings that are going to improve the condition of our own mind, the condition of our life, and by each individual doing that, it's going to improve the world. There's no way that any group of people can get together and force another group of people to do things that they don't want to do. It's not possible. The only way to improve the condition of the world and this track, well, I should say this track, right, this downward trajectory that we're on as humanity, this downward trajectory, the only way to improve that is on an individual basis for each individual person in the world to choose to do something better because by polluting our world, by talking with hostility, by treating each other with disrespect, by, you know, getting sad and angry and frustrated and irritated and all these other things that we have going on in the mind, by continuing in this direction, things are not going to get better. We know that if we continue to do the same things that we've always been doing and we expect different results, we know that that's the definition of insanity, doing the same things but expecting different results. So for me, one of the things that studying the Buddhist teachings represent is it's a conscious choice on the side of the individual practitioner to do something different right we've been doing something and we've been doing things a certain way for however long during our life and in our culture we've been doing things a certain way and we see where that's led us right we know that material wealth doesn't necessarily equal a peaceful life we know that having the best job of our dreams isn't going to instantly change our life we know that having a certain life partner isn't going to instantly change our life and make it better we know that if you don't have kids and all of a sudden you have kids that's not going to ultimately make your life better we know that if you're driving a bicycle and you immediately get a lamborghini or a mercedes or you win the lottery that's not going to make your life better we know that if you get a big huge mansion that's not going to instantly make your life better because you still have this mind to deal with. So if we continue on this same trajectory and we do nothing different, then we're gonna get the same results that we've been getting for all these years, continued problems in the world. But the choice that we make, the conscious choice to study these teachings is a conscious choice of saying enough of all of that, let me learn the truth so that now through learning the truth, I, as an individual, can make better and better choices in my life. Other people may not choose to ever learn and practice these teachings, and that's okay. That's their life. This practice isn't about trying to convince others to do what we know to be good and wholesome in Gautama Buddha's teachings. There's no obligation whatsoever for anybody to run out and try to convince others to try to learn and practice these teachings. What Gautama Buddha's teachings do really, really well is it focuses all the attention right here on this individual, on that individual, on you, your personal choices, as Robert was saying on YouTube, through making personal choices, we improve our life. And when we improve our life, it inevitably is going to affect the people around us. And it's going to affect the rest of the world. So this long link of chain that goes back over 2,500 years ago, by us now kind of embracing those teachings, bringing them into our life, learning them and practicing and seeing them as the truth, more and more as we practice these, they will improve our life. But just through osmosis and just by people being around us and us choosing to be kind and loving and caring and polite, compassionate, generous, all of these good, wholesome teachings, by us choosing to do that, it will spread to more and more people by itself. This is the reason why I feel Gautama Buddha never made it a primary responsibility or obligation of anybody to run out and go teach everyone else something that you may not already understand yourself but his teachings are all about focusing on you in your mind so it's great that you've chosen to study Gautama buddhist teachings and all of us have different reasons for why we've chosen to do that for me it was the one that i just talked about looking at the world and seeing that me i was on a very bad trajectory and my life was going down 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 but also looking at humanity Humanity as a whole is doing the same thing. And all we can do to improve our own life is to focus on our own life. And by doing that, it's the very best thing you could ever be doing for yourself, those around you, and all of humanity. So for me, why study Gautama Buddha's teachings? There's really only one reason to improve your mind. This is for me. You guys have your reasons, right? And all of your reasons are all valid reasons. But for me, the reason why I chose to study Gautama Buddha's teachings is to fix this discontent mind. Because I was tired of being sad. I was tired of being frustrated. I was tired of being angry. I was tired of being disappointed. I was tired of being lonely. I was tired of having relationships with people that... I felt heartache and I felt struggled and I felt like I was interested in giving love and care and compassion, but what was coming back was not even anything close to that. So I chose to learn these teachings and practice these teachings and now share these teachings because to eliminate the discontent mind of each individual who chooses to learn and then by each of us choosing to do that, it improves the world. And over time, these teachings will continue to spread throughout the world because I think people are tired of feeling angry and sad and frustrated and guilty and shameful and fears, loneliness, boredom, shyness, all of these discontent feelings. People are getting tired of feeling that way. And we're also tired of belief, Just believe, just believe, just believe. We're tired of that. It's done. It's over with. We've tried that, right? We want to see the truth right now. We want to know what is the truth. Well, Gautama Buddha's teachings are going to share with you what is the truth, and then you can go independently observe that for yourself and determine that it's truth. And you can see that with your own eyes, you can see that with your own mind. As your mind continues to progress to becoming more and more peaceful, you'll see that you are in fact learning the truth. Because not only can you see it's the truth with your own eyes, but as your mind continues to improve by learning and practicing these teachings, you will see, like Amina was talking about, going from anger down to irritation. Right? And she's done that over the course of about a year's time, and she's going to continue on that path until eventually she doesn't even feel irritation anymore. There's just nothing whatsoever that would cause the mind to be discontent. It's unshakable. So for me, those are two primary reasons to study Gautama Buddhist teachings, to get rid of your own discontent mind, and through focusing on yourself and only yourself, you're also helping All of humanity as well so I just would like to share that with you and you guys are welcome we can have an open discussion here today before I get into one other thing I was planning to discuss max I'm sure you have something to share you always have something to share
3: well we did actually have a question earlier from biblob and you have since discussed it a bit there David but biblob asked why do we not directly offer to share with other people in our community, the teachings of the, of the Buddha, when they do not know about
1: it. You're welcome, Biplob, to share the teachings and let people know, right? If, if you see somebody that's having discontentedness, that's having trouble in their life, you're welcome to say, hey, here's a book, you know? Or, hey, here's a link, you can download this. Or, hey, here's a Facebook group, you know, this has really helped me. You're welcome to do that. But in some traditions, the primary goal is to draw in as many people as possible and get other people to believe. And that tends to be the primary practice is going around the world and trying to get as many people to believe the same things you believe. And what I'm sharing in my comments here is that's not the primary purpose in this tradition. The primary purpose is to solve your own discontent mind. And in doing so, then you gain more and more wisdom. Your discontent mind improves, your life improves. But of course, if you have neighbors or family members or friends that are interested or or you see that they could benefit from these teachings, you can certainly recommend for them to read this book, to join the Facebook group, to listen to the podcast, to listen to videos, but that's not the primary focus. The primary focus is to solve your problems, your discontent mind. That's the number one focus. Eliminating
3: all discontent mindset seems like, uh, sounds like an incredibly compelling goal. So, okay, I would never experience sadness ever again. I will never experience anger ever again. Why is it, David, do you think that upon hearing that one might not immediately just throw themselves at it and begin doing everything that Gautama Buddha said?
1: I think in a lot of ways, people mistrust these type of traditions because I think that we've grown up with a lot of different, lack of better word, religious leaders, even though I don't consider Gotama Buddha's teachings a religion whatsoever, we've grown up with various people in our lives teaching us and guiding us and trying to help us see certain teachings, and either because we're misunderstanding the teachings or perhaps they weren't explained to us in those other traditions in a way that really connects with us to help us see how to improve our life, that I think a lot of us have distrust for teachings that look or resemble anything like a religion because the word religion for a lot of people is almost like a four-letter word. It's tainted. A lot of people's minds have been conditioned to hate religion or have aversion to religion. And this is why one of the things that I did very early in the book, I think in the preface, is made it very clear, and I make it clear as we go through the book, that Gautama Buddha's teachings are not a religion. He never said, I've discovered a new religion. He said, I discovered a better way of life. To answer your question directly, Max, I just think that when people hear about things like the Buddhist teachings or Jesus Christ teachings or Prophet Muhammad's or Hinduism, we either distrust or our mind has been conditioned to have aversion to these type of things, or some people might think that these type of teachings are meant to control you and tell you what to do and this is another myth that i dispelled early on in the book and as we get going in the book is that all of gautama buddha's teachings are based on personal choices that his teachings aren't about controlling people to do one thing or the other the buddha basically was hey i've attained enlightenment It's a better way to live life. My mind's completely peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. Anybody who's interested, this is the path. This is the way. He never used guilt, shame, or fear to try to motivate people to learn and practice his teachings because he already knew the truth. And someone who's enlightened, you only need to walk with wisdom and a smile. You don't have any desire to force people to learn and practice your teaching. Someone who's enlightened has already extinguished all that eagerness, that longing, that forcefulness, the putting expectations on people. The whole goal of enlightenment is to eliminate, among other things, guilt, shame, and fear. And you definitely, as an enlightened being, aren't interested in controlling anybody. These teachings are all about allowing everyone to practice free will and do whatever they feel is best for their own life but someone like the buddha is like okay here's the path if you're interested in learning it you're interested in pursuing it here it is so for somebody who's still into substances that cause heedlessness or having multiple boyfriends and girlfriends and not really caring who they hurt or who they affect for people who are very aggressive and hostile in their language and with lots of hate and anger, people with discrimination or racism or judgment of other people for reasons of their sexual orientation or other traditions or how they dress or what color skin or hair they have. There's a certain groups of people that during this life are never going to learn and practice these good wholesome teachings because They feel that these type of teachings are meant to control them and they're still enjoying and they don't see the effect of all these unwholesome decisions they're making. They don't see it as their problem. They look at it as everyone else's problem. So I think for these reasons that people oftentimes turn away, you know, the big one is because of religion is oftentimes a tainted word, and some people associate Gautama Buddha's teachings with religion and uh, these other reasons that we've been talking about. But I agree with you. If somebody heard that here you can eliminate sadness, anger, frustration, irritation, guilt, shame, boredom, loneliness, shyness, you know, all of these discontent feelings, resentment, and jealousy, shouldn't that just be enough to say, okay, let me find out, let me let me understand more, but you'd be surprised that because of the mistrust and the uh, lack of trust, which is part of the unenlightened mind, the unenlightened mind is not going to trust other people. That's part of the unenlightened mind. Because of the conditioning that religion is bad and people associating Gautama Buddha's teachings with religion, even though I don't think it is, And because some people feel that these type of teachings are meant to control them, I think oftentimes people might turn away. But the good news is is that all of you have decided, I think on a certain level, that I'm done with all this sadness and hostility and aggression and anger and guilt and shame and fears and boredom and loneliness, jealousy, resentment. I'm done with all that. I want to get this out of my life so that I can experience this peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. And that's what Gautama Buddha's teachings do, is they guide you to that, but it's all through personal choices that lead you to that destination.
3: And I think that's an important thing to reiterate as well, is that it is about personal choice. It's not about making every change overnight and becoming this completely wholesome being instantaneously. One sort of question you tend to see a lot in the Facebook groups is some variation of, do I have to give up drinking coffee right now? Do I have to give up eating meat right now? Do I have to become vegan? Do I have to give up alcohol? And all these sort of questions about, do I have to give up this craving and do this straight away? And there are no, there's no judgment to start with. There's no rules that say, if you're this, you're a Buddhist. If you're not, then you're not a Buddhist. And so it's all about discovering true for oneself and discovering what benefits the mind
1: yeah that's an important point that Gautama buddhist teachings aren't rules to follow they're not commandments right because those things are usually because someone's enforcing it right there's some kind of fear so here's a rule and because you fear that you're going to get the penalty you're going to follow the rule And this is how a lot of us are taught in society, not just with these teachings, but with speed limits and societal laws and certain policies and local ordinances. There's a certain rule, and if you don't follow that, there's gonna be a penalty. So because you fear the penalty, you're gonna just follow the rule, whether you agree that it's correct or not. So when you approach Gautama Buddha's teachings, it's important that you understand they're not rules. They're not commandments. There's no fear, guilt, or shame that says, if you don't do these things, all these bad things are going to happen to you. It's kind of like, okay, well, we know if you don't get enlightened, you're going to be reborn. No big deal. It's not trying to guilt or shame or fear anybody into it. It's just, we know that this is going to happen. And we know this for many different reasons, but ultimately it becomes a personal choice. So as Max is alluding to and kind of sharing is the way that these teachings are designed, it's not a flip the switch and you've got to learn everything that the Buddha taught and immediately implement that through flipping a switch. The beauty of about what he was teaching, there's multiple beauties, but one of the beauties is He described it as a gradual progression, gradual training of the mind, that as you learn the teachings, you gradually move them into practice and gradually observe the truth to uncover this wisdom more and more and more. And that's where there's no judgment because everybody's at different parts of the path. And not everyone's going to progress in the same way and there shouldn't be comparisons of one person versus the other of you know who's more enlightened than this person and who's more enlightened than that person and the way that you can get rid of that is just look at the buddha he's the most highly fully perfectly enlightened being that's ever walked the face of the earth so okay he's the best now all of the rest everyone else they're still learning and practicing let's continue to progress on this path And just knowing that we're all going to be at different points in the path and our goal should be to support and encourage each other along this path that's what a real community does and if you notice how i reply to people in our facebook group and in these different classes is i always look to be encouraging and supporting That no matter what you're encountering, no matter how difficult or how rough, no matter how hard the problem is, no matter how hard the challenge is that you're facing, as a community, we should always be supportive and encouraging to each other. Because this path, while learning and practicing it, once you attain enlightenment, life becomes very easy and seamless and very smooth. But in that journey, it can be pretty rough sometimes. It can feel pretty hard and pretty hectic. It can feel like sometimes like you're dragging your feet through the mud. So the last thing that we would want to do as a community is bash each other or knock each other down just for trying to learn and practice the teachings. So if anything, all of us should always be supportive and encouraging of each other no matter where we are on the path, and just recognize that there's no judgment, there's no comparison to each other, and we're always just supporting and encouraging each other along this path. And through that positive support, all of us can walk towards this enlightened mental state together. We'll we'll arrive at different times, but that's okay. As a group, we progress together, and everybody learns and practices and continues to get more and more benefit. For someone who
3: doesn't have a life practice currently, but is interested to see for themselves if there's any truth in this, any use in this, what are
1: some of the most accessible, easiest ways they can start testing out Buddha's teachings? Okay, this actually is a perfect question, Max, to lead me into the the last part of what I was going to talk about today. Is how did people learn during the lifetime of Gautama Buddha? Well, Gautama Buddha, because he stepped down from being a prince and he just became a homeless person, essentially dressed in old beat up robes and just walking around and people offered him food and water and things like this and shelter. Essentially, he was enlightened. He was fully perfectly enlightened. He didn't start teaching to benefit himself. right? He had already attained enlightenment. He already knew the truth. So anything that he did from the time of his enlightenment at age 35 until he died at 80 was to benefit other people. Because he could have truly gotten enlightened and then just kind of went back to the palace and been the best king or leader that probably the world would have ever known. But no, he chose because he knew that nobody else knew these teachings but him. He chose to offer these teachings in a way that could be shared during his lifetime. More and more people could become enlightened. And then the teachings, he set them up in such a way that the teachings could continue long after his life. But what did people do during his life in order to learn these teachings? Well, they didn't have books. We know that. They didn't have YouTube videos. They didn't have podcasts they didn't have a Facebook group, right? They didn't have these online classes that they could attend. We know that. But what they did is, Gautama Buddha, about once every seven to eight days, based on the lunar calendar, because remember, he's living in a period of time where people are pretty much farmers, So they understood the moon and the cycle of the moon really well. They really didn't even keep track of time, right? It was all based on the moon. So based on the lunar schedule, the lunar cycles, about once every seven to eight days, people knew that the Buddha was teaching and they would come to the area where he was and he would teach, he would deliver a discourse about the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, Talk about Gamma, the three poisons, all these different teachings that we had to learn. And then after they learned, they would go back to their farm or their shop or whatever. But while he was teaching, because his knowledge is so deep, so much wisdom for someone who has attained self-enlightenment, their wisdom is so deep and so wide, they're not going to teach everything they know because it would be too exhaustive to be able to do that. What a fully, perfectly enlightened Buddha is going to do is only focus on the teachings that will help you to awaken your mind. So what he would do in a lot of cases is just have people ask him questions. It's only through people's questions that he would then teach. Oftentimes, he didn't even necessarily prepare something to actually teach. He would just sit down and then somebody would ask him a question, teach us about this or share this with us. And then he would just talk. So he didn't come in and say, with fear, guilt, and shame, try to force people to learn what it is he had to learn. He already knew the truth. So he was just there as a resource to help people. And it was through their questions. So while this is an independent journey, that you need teachers and guides in order to learn these teachings and then you independently practice them to see that they're true and you gain the wisdom for yourself. What guides that independent practice is your own investigation of the teachings and then you asking questions. This is the only way for you to learn. You can't just sit back and just allow the broadcast of information to come to you and just be like oh that was nice that was a fun hour that was a fun two hours it was a nice talk you need to learn the teachings internalize them reflect on them ask questions for clarification practice them apply them in practice stumble over your feet make some mistakes see how it's not so easy sometimes come back to your teacher ask questions and ask for clarification. Tell me about the times that you made mistakes. Tell me about the times you tripped over your feet because I already know you're not perfect and you know you're not perfect. So there's no reason to try to kind of look perfect for your teacher. It's better to tell me all the mistakes you made. Tell me all the problems you had. Tell me all the difficulties you had because then I can really help you. But it's only through your questions and you asking questions that I'll actually be able to then help you, not only real time with the actual questions that you ask in Facebook group or in our online classes, in our in-person classes, or through personal guidance if you make a private appointment with me and we talk privately, but also when you ask questions, not only do you get clarification in the teachings, but then I start to understand you in your life more and more and more. So by me understanding more of your life, then I'm able to more readily help you. So if I only interacted with you once every six months, or you only asked a question once every six months, that's fine. There's no expectation from me on what you should or shouldn't do. But from my observation, the people who really investigate the teachings closely, spend a good amount of time studying them and applying them, and then engage with their teacher through asking questions, whether it's in the Facebook group or online classes or private discussions that you can schedule with me. These are the people that seem to always be making the most progress because they've got a two-way connection where you're seeking guidance. And then because of that, I understand your life and your mind more. I can help you as you ask subsequent questions i understand more about your life because i remember as you ask questions i remember all the things that you've asked me and where you're at in your life and it helps me to help you by understanding more of what it is that you're interested to learn so the way that people learn during Gautama buddha's lifetime is they listened to his talks they reflected on his teachings they applied the teachings in life when they went back home and then they asked questions lots and lots and lots of questions in fact as an ordained practitioner if i was ordained ordained practitioners don't really have what we would call maybe like a sermon or you know they don't have like a scheduled time where everybody comes into the temple and now they're going to deliver some discourse It's all based on questions. Here in Thailand, the monks are just practitioners. The Bikinis are just practitioners. They're learning and progressing on the path with their own teachers, and they're pursuing enlightenment on their own. The only time that they teach is when the household practitioners or other ordained practitioners ask them a question. Part of this practice is you don't just run around and teach everybody. So if you're in a Facebook group and you see somebody like constantly shoving teachings towards other people, that's not what this practice is about. This practice is about individual practitioners choosing to ask questions. And then when they ask a question, the teacher provides the information to then help the student along the way. If you notice how I interact in various Facebook groups, I never see somebody with a comment, and then I immediately say, oh, you're wrong. It's not like that. It's like this, because that person hasn't asked me a question. And who am I to say they're wrong and I'm right? Because that would be ego, right? Because if I'm saying I'm right, then I'm assuming that I'm right, and that comes from ego. So a teacher who's practicing really well is only going to share teachings with people when they ask questions. So if you see how I interact on Facebook, it's only when people are asking questions that I will answer them, not just in our group. But if you see me in other groups of Facebook, I only ever share a comment if somebody asks a question. So that translates even on a student-teacher relationship that I don't ever contact James, for example, and say, hey, James, I know you live in South Carolina and you've got this going on and that going on. Let me give you some teachings that are good for your life, right? Like, who am I to kind of step in to James's life and kind of tell him what he needs to be learning at this particular time? That's not my role as a teacher. My role as a teacher is to make all these resources available and invite you to come learn. But then it's through your questions, through your asking for clarification, that the teachings come out and get delivered more and more and more. And that's the way that this tradition has worked for 2,500 years, going all the way back to Gautama Buddha's time, that if you read his actual teachings, if you read the Pali Canon, which is his actual teachings, it almost always starts out with a question somebody asks him a question, and then because of that question, he will then start teaching. Here, modern times, you guys aren't familiar with the tradition as much, so I kind of use this book as a guide, and I kind of start off these talks with certain topics, and I might talk for 15 or 30 minutes, and then kind of pause and let you guys ask questions, but it's really the students and practitioners asking questions of the teacher that really draws the teachings out. And this is also important because typically when I do these talks, as you'll see, we progress in the program, I will only talk kind of at a, at a certain level of detail. And I'll talk at that certain level of detail until somebody asks a question. And then when you ask a question, we'll dive into the detail We'll discuss it on a much more deeper level because I know that that's what you're interested in learning, and then we'll come back out to the surface a bit until somebody else asks a question, and then we'll dive deep into the teachings. So this relates back to something I said last week: is you only get out of this program what you put into it. So the more that you guys choose to learn prior to our class sessions. If you learn from the book, the podcast, the video, and the other resources, when you come into the class, you should potentially have a bunch of questions that you're really interested in learning and you can ask. And that's why here in the social media up here on the top, you can see what are your questions, right? What are your questions? Submit those for guidance, right? That's what this tradition is really all about. To answer your question really directly max the way to get the most out of this teachings of the buddha is to study really investigate apply the teachings in your life really reflect on seeing how they work and then ask lots of questions not just ask questions just for the sake of asking questions but real thoughtful purposeful beneficial questions That are really helping to move your understanding and your practice forward and sometimes the questions that i see from students are just confirming that they understand what they understand and i've had several of those in the facebook group recently where people have learned something in the book they've applied it in life they saw how it worked and they just come back and say david does this sound right to you and they'll kind of share something with me and just having your teacher confirm yeah, that's exactly correct. You're you're on the right path there. So, that's how you learn. Investigate the teachings, reflect on them, apply them in practice, trip over your feet, make mistakes as you need to, come back to your teacher, get clarification, and then apply the teachings some more and get better and better on this gradual progression towards the enlightened mind.
3: Thank you for that, David. I think it's very encouraging. a lot of people to know that mistakes are important go out and make some mistakes and then understand what happened and where you can do better next time and i know that in coming to you for guidance sharing honestly where i felt that things haven't gone well for me has been really helpful and you've never been judgmental and often we don't like to admit our mistakes it's something that's very common but having done that many times with you first second time it was quite clear that you were not going to judge me and so i was able just to keep honestly relaying to you how things were going and where things hadn't gone quite right to get really great guidance so i think that's a very helpful point for many people
1: yeah there's one aspect of this that you know your teacher should be practicing the teachings very very deeply right so part of the teachings is all about not gossiping not having frivolous speech, not lying, not all of this stuff, right? So I've had students tell me, you know, that they watch pornography or they masturbate or they cheat on their partners or, you know, they take drugs or psychedelic drugs or marijuana or cocaine or whatever. I never share that with anyone else. It's like a private conversation. And even if I was helping a husband and a wife or two friends or two colleagues. If one person's sharing something with me, I'm not taking that over here and say, oh, by the way, did you hear this? So part of the practice that this ethical practice that the Buddha provides us, your teacher should be practicing that very, very, very deeply so that you can then trust that whatever you're sharing with that person, it's on a personal level to the point where we understand in our culture about how like a therapist or a psychiatrist isn't allowed to go share your story and what you share with them in a private appointment with somebody else. That's against the law and the way that they practice their profession. Well, here in Thailand, and the way that we practice in terms of teachers is this ethical code that we're practicing that the Buddha gave us, it's there as part of the ethics. You know, we wouldn't be doing this as teachers, if we were, you know, running around gossiping about our students, that's not how this all works whatsoever. So if there's anyone out there that ever wants to share anonymously, or if you share with me privately in confidence, you can have the confidence and trust that that conversation is just you and I. And that's the best way for me to be able to help you is for you to have that trust and open up and part of attaining enlightenment is being able to trust all beings and learning how to practice non-attachment in relationships and your buddhist teacher might be the very first person in your life that you've ever had a relationship with where you can learn and model non-attachment in a relationship and see what that feels like And know that that's a very wholesome thing that leads to success. And it might be your Buddhist teacher that is the first person that you really trust to share certain aspects of your life and certain aspects of your mind with that person. And when you share that and you trust and you see that that trust is warranted and that it doesn't go beyond our conversation, that can be building blocks For you to now have other relationships where you practice non-attachment and you have trust with other beings so modeling that with you in a relationship and helping you to feel what it feels like to have non-attachment but still have deep care deep love deep compassion for each other in modeling and feeling what it feels like to be able to wholeheartedly trust another being who you may not really even know, and you may not have even ever met in person, but you can have this trust for that person, by doing that with your Buddhist teacher, and you feel the benefit of having done so, then you can learn how to do that with other people in your life much more easily, because you can model it with your teacher, and it becomes an example for you of how to replicate that in other relationships in your life. We have a comment from Sue Julian. She says,
3: Hi, David. You indicate that we need to ask lots of questions to seek clarification. I have been doing this, but sometimes I feel that perhaps I'm taking too much of your time.
1: Not at all, Sue. Uh, (laughs) This is what I do. I have given up everything, right? I, I no longer have a career. I've closed my businesses. I left A very well paying business. I have no aspirations to ever go back into that kind of career. My life and what I'm doing now until the time that I die is helping as many people like you to learn and practice these teachings to attain enlightenment. So you shouldn't feel like you're taking too much of my time. If I ever need to do something else, I would let you know. I would say, oh, great, Sue. It's been great talking to you for the last 20 hours. Um, I need to get going now. I would let you know that. So you never have to feel bad or feel guilty or shameful that you're taking too much of my time, because if there's ever a time where I need to go do something else, I would just let you know. But this is what I do. I make myself available through classes, through Facebook, through personal guidance that you guys can meet with me. I have some students that schedule a private meeting every week, once a week, or once every two weeks. And I spend about an hour, hour and a half with them every week and they schedule it. And there's just that kind of relationship where they reach out to me and I help them along in addition to these classes that they're actually meeting with me privately as well. So as much support as you need it's available for you here. So you don't ever need to feel that you're hurting me or causing any problems to me because there's nothing you could ever do, Sue, that would cause this mind to be discontent. Nothing whatsoever. So as much help as you need, the support is here for you. Okay, thank you very much, everybody. And thank you, David. It appears we have no more questions this time. Okay, so... What I would suggest that you guys do is think this week, if you haven't already been thinking about it, reflect on why are you truly studying Gautama Buddha's teachings, right? Before we dive into this next six months and then essentially probably the rest of your life of learning and practicing these teachings, kind of put a pause a little bit and just think and reflect why is it that you're actually studying Gautama Buddha's teachings? I think that for many of us, we would say that this trajectory that we are on individually and that we are on as humanity is not going in a good direction, right? It's not going in a good direction. So we need to do something different. And what better way to do something different than to learn? The best self help program that you've probably ever encountered in your entire life. It's been around for 2,500 years, which means it's really well proven. It wouldn't be around this long if it wasn't really well vetted and really well proven. It's a self help program that costs you nothing. Of course, there's donations if you'd like to donate, but that's up to you. So it costs nothing. And through learning and practicing these teachings, you completely eliminate the discontent mind becoming peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. So if there isn't any good reasons that you can think of already in the mind, you might want to think about these. The best self-help program that you've ever encountered whatsoever, there's no cost whatsoever, and through learning and practicing these teachings, independently observing the truth for yourself, you will be able to see that the condition of the mind improves. And if these three things aren't good enough reasons to learn and practice Gautama Buddha's teachings, look some more. But I think if you look at those, it would be amazing for you to get rid of sadness. Think of all the times that you've been sad. Wouldn't you love to just erase that from the mind? Think of all the times that you've been angry and how your hostile words have caused problems in your relationships. And perhaps you've even lost some really good friends and colleagues that your hostility and your aggression and speech to others have caused you problems. Wouldn't it be wonderful to get rid of that aggressive speech and learn how to have good wholesome relationships with others where you never cause any problems in relationships and other people who may choose to speak hostile to you it doesn't even affect you it would be wonderful to get rid of this sadness it would be wonderful to get rid of this hostility and aggression anger in our speech it would be wonderful to get rid of these actions these bodily actions that we do that cause harm to others It would be wonderful to get rid of this guilt and this shame and the fear, the resentment, the jealousy, the mistrust of other beings and not knowing if our partner or our colleagues or our friends, can we really trust them or not? It's wonderful to get rid of those things. Think about the times that you've been crying and sorrowful in your life. Wouldn't you love to get rid of all that, right? So that's what the Buddhist teachings essentially do, among other things, is it gets rid of all of that discontentedness in the mind, and your mind becomes peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy, where you never need to cry. You never need to feel sad. You never need to feel guilty, shameful, resentful, fearful, fearful. It's a personal choice of whether or not we choose to learn and practice these teachings. Just like it's a personal choice to stay sad or to stay angry or to stay frustrated. If we choose to stay in that, it's a personal choice. But choosing to study and practice Gautama Buddha's teachings is choosing to move to this peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy that is permanent. Once you attain this mental state of enlightenment, it's permanent. Your mind will never go back to those discontent feelings again. And then as you attain that for yourself more and more and more and more, one of the real beauties in this is then you can share it with other people. You heard Amina has her eight-year-old child who tunes in to these classes with us. You may hear and you may have heard Of me talking about my son. One of the beauties in this practice is by you as an adult learning these teachings and practicing these teachings and you discovering the wisdom to train the mind of how to eliminate these discontent feelings. As you have people in your life, whether they're life partners, whether they're children, whether they're friends or family, you'll be able to turn them on to teachings that will completely and utterly revolutionize their entire life by helping them to awaken their mind and turning them on to these good, wholesome teachings, you will not only be able to improve your life, but you'll be able to kind of share with other people the ability to also eliminate these discontent feelings. Because most of us walk around not realizing that sadness is an option. Sadness is an option. We don't have to be sad, but we are because we're unenlightened. If you're unenlightened, anger is an option. Guilt, shame, fear, resentment, jealousy, all these discontent feelings, they're all optional. We can opt out of that at any time. And that's essentially what the Buddhist teachings are doing. And by opting out of that and learning and practicing these teachings to train your mind to awaken to enlightenment, then one of the biggest gifts you can ever give to anybody, whether it's a child or a family member, is helping them to do the same thing. That's been one of the beauties for me in learning and practicing these teachings is being able to share those with my wife and share those with my son and helping them get to a point where they're not angry and they don't have conflicts with each other. My son doesn't cry over the simplest little thing like he used to do before. He very rarely cries anymore. It has to be something pretty significant now. And he's still working on those attachments and he understands that. And he understands what that means. So not only can you improve your life in your mind, but you can also help improve the people around you and all of humanity. Because now as a community, supporting and encouraging each other, we are just one more link in this long chain of people that are now gonna be able to not only improve the condition of our mind, but help many other people in the world as they choose on their own accord to step forward and say, I would like some guidance. And it's that point where people are choosing that we can then help them. But if someone's not choosing to step forward, you can't force somebody to attain enlightenment because there's millions of decisions that they have to make in order to learn and practice these teachings. But as people choose to do so through us focusing on our own mind and making good, wholesome choices, we can then be beneficial to use this experience of having trained your own mind to enlightenment. You can then share that with others if you choose in whichever way that you choose so thank you guys all for joining and tuning in and deciding that Gautama Buddha's teachings are what is important for you at this point in your life to improve the condition of the mind and improve the condition of your life next week on sunday we're going to be diving into chapter three which is what is nibbana what is enlightenment i've kind of been alluding to some of these things as we've been talking in our various talks but next week we're going to dive into it in much 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 more detail with this chapter three because after chapter three we start taking this journey with Gautama Buddha's teachings the four noble truths the eightfold path the five precepts all of these other teachings but before we go on this journey to this destination of enlightenment we're going to spend next sunday talking about what is enlightenment so you understand the goal very clearly because by you understanding the goal, you're much more likely to be able to travel and get to it. It's just like if you're going to a new city that you've never been to, you need someone to tell you about that city and help you understand what that city is so that when you get to it, you'll know that you're there. So that's what we're going to do next week is we're going to talk about what is enlightenment, all the various stages of enlightenment and all kinds of other details about this mental state of enlightenment. On Wednesday, just three days from now, we're going to be doing loving kindness meditation. This is another meditation. There's only two that you need in order to attain enlightenment. We talked about the last one this past Wednesday, and we did a meditation session together. This Wednesday, we're going to be doing the other one, which is loving kindness meditation. And if you missed last Wednesday, you can always go back to the video or the podcast and learn that. And if you happen to miss this Wednesday, you can do the same thing. Go back to the video or the podcast. But what we're going to be doing is we're going to be repeating these each Wednesday, breathing mindfulness meditation, loving kindness meditation, and chanting. So every three weeks, we're going to be coming back to that same meditation and deepening your practice more and more and more giving you a chance to ask more questions, and meditating together as a group each Wednesday. So continue to study, continue to learn. As you have questions, you have multiple ways to get help and clarification. I really appreciate that you've chosen to learn and practice these teachings of Gautama Buddha. It's the very best thing that you could ever do for yourself, for those close to you, and all of humanity because by you improving the condition of your mind and staying focused on your mind, you're going to be causing less and less harm in the world. So therefore, less and less harm is going to be coming back to you until eventually you fully attain enlightenment where there's no harm whatsoever. And the mind can be peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy permanently. Life becomes very smooth and very easy. But this journey, it's going to take a bit. And that's why I'm here to support you and encourage you all along the way. So as much as you need me, I'm here for you. Just reach out and let me know what questions you have, and I'm willing to help you. So until next
0: time, sawa Thank you for listening to this podcast.